Welcome to Soul Conversations. We are three Korean adoptees talking about anything and everything through an adoptee lens. I'm Shanae. And I'm Kara. And this is Season 3, Episode 5. I am so excited. I'm just going to jump straight into the introductions to have my um, older sister, Kim DeLast, here on the show today. Hi. Oh gosh, I was like, even when we first got started, I was like, how am I going to introduce her? Um, I don't know, Kim, why don't you tell our listeners who you are, where you're located, um, what you do for a living, and what kind of brought you on the show today? All right. Well, um, I'm calling out of Chicago. Um, I'm working as a pastry chef. Um, uh, Our clients are Facebook. And right now we are um, hiding in the basement for my children. Who <laughs> just fallen asleep. They're seven months and two years. Um, I've got a 50 50 shot of peace <laughs> for the next hour, and we'll see how that goes. Um, yes. And, you know, a, a big drive for me, obviously, is them and my journey to get here from not having any children um, and kind of the thoughts that lie behind that and the circumstances that brought me here. Yeah. And, and, and Kim probably won't give paint the full picture, but she's got two under two. Um, so, so the the other parents on the call are nodding like, Oh wow. Yes. Um, and for all those other non parents out there like myself, it's a lot. Even when Auntie comes over or Emo comes over for <laughs> babysitting time after one hour, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. And I love them so much. The baby addiction um, is for real. Well, we're so happy to have you on the show and can't wait to talk a little more to you. And Sinead, do you want to introduce our other guests? Sure. This is a double guest feature episode. We are also joined by fellow parents and one third of the John Chi show and photographer, um, Nathan Nowak. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's yeah, so Shanae, I didn't know he was a, a podcaster until he came on here. I was like, oh, why well, he yeah. had a fancy setup? But he was like, oh, I do this. I was like, oh, I'm the newbie here. I didn't know. I know your background is all. Like mood lighting, and you have the checkered aesthetic. It's probably just for show. I don't even know if it works or not. But <laughs> it looks legit. But uh, yeah, no, thanks for for having me. <clears throat> um, I guess a little bit about myself is, I, as you said, I'm a photographer, podcaster, and a parent of three. I'm out of Denver, Colorado. Just moved back. Actually, I was in California for 18 years, and uh, then. Uh, came back, went, was in Colorado, actually raised in Oklahoma, went to Colorado, then went to California, and then now I'm back in Colorado. So, um, and my parents, uh, my uh, adoptive parents are actually here in Colorado as well. So nice. partially some of the reason why we, we came back this direction, but, and uh, yes, I was adopted from uh, South Korea, from Seoul. And uh, um, yeah, I, 
all the same things uh, Kim said about, uh, you know, parent life of young kids. <laughs> I completely will probably agree with everything you say today. So <laughs> my kids are one, three, and five. So One, three, and five. Okay, yeah. nice. They're very cute. I've had the pleasure of meeting them in person at one of the Denver Boulder CAD meetups. And Shanae, for our listeners, do you mind just to remind everybody how old Clara is? So we've got the full painted picture here. Sure. Currently, Clara is our one and only. Thank goodness. And (laughs) she is coming up on seven months in about a week. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I am thrilled. Um, you know, Shanae and I are here to to invite you all on the show. But like we said, this is kind of an open conversation. And I think, you know, as a as a non-parent, I have so many curiosities. So maybe I'll just start by um, hammering you guys with questions and then just kind of seeing, um, seeing where the conversation goes. And of course, I'll make sure I represent those who don't have children who also may have thoughts on this topic as well. So I think my first question for you all would be like, and maybe we'll just toss it to Kim to kick us off. Is like, when did you first start thinking about family planning and like adoption specifically? Like how old were you were like, will I adopt? Won't I adopt? Or one day I want to Did that start very young or old, or just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. For me, you are adopted parents never pressured us to have Uh, or at least myself, my own journey to have kids, to get married, to do anything that would otherwise make me unhappy. They wanted just happiness and self-fulfillment for myself. Mm -hmm. So I often just culturally, especially raised in America or anywhere, really, you are brought up to kind of have this uh, mapped out sequence of what your, your end goals quote unquote, should be with eventually after this career, at some point, you'll also add on getting married, you'll also add on having kids, you will also add on having a house and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I think I was so focused in my own world. I was like, okay, I'll put that over here in this file. And then just push it way back. Um, My whole life, I often came back to it, uh, depending on what point of my life I was in, um, where I was like, you know, if I ever have kids, I'm probably going to adopt. And I think I always thought of having kids already made, (laughs) so to Mm. speak. Um, I never considered getting married, really, and I never really considered um, having my own children, per se, not for any particular reason. I just never really thought, you know, I'm going to be pregnant. It was just, I think I'm going to adopt. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it later. And um, when my husband and I got married, we talked about kids and we'd, of course, discussed different options. We had been married for about a year and hadn't had kids, although we weren't particularly trying. And I said, you know, if we can't have kids, I don't mind considering adoption. And honestly, anywhere where we can actually get a healthy child that we can focus on and of course then that brings up all the which is a completely separate topic but the feelings of where should you get the child from should Mm. you get the you know of your same race should you get a different race what are the challenges face of that am i only doing that to say i'll take any race you know it's it's a whole another issue of things that we'll talk about at a different time 
But um, I found actually myself pregnant at the end of that year. And that just kind of set our journey. And then after that, we were like, you know, maybe we're going to want another kid. And we discussed possibilities of if we can't have another kid, if we can't have another kid. Um, And full disclosure, we tried, I did get pregnant in the earlier part of 2020. And unfortunately, I did lose that baby. And then not even a couple months later, I found out that I was pregnant again. So we were trying that year. And then we were blessed to have our second son at the beginning of this year. And that was kind of how the journey of having kids and wanting kids fell into place. The opportunity arose of whatever was laid out and Every time something came up, we said, okay, we're going to do this. So I guess it's different for everyone, but mine was more in the reality of now, whatever now is versus dreaming about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to get children. Yeah, that makes sense. And thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah, it was an emotional year for the family and we are just so... (laughs) thankful and blessed for the babies we have in our life. And I just love them so much. Nathan, what about you? What was that journey like for you? And I'm, I'm excited to hear from you as well. Cause I just, I also just don't hear a lot of men talk about parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just refreshing for a lot of reasons. I, I love it. I'm, I've always wanted to be a parent. So I, I don't know if it, that's just breaks the norm or, or what, but you know, when I got married, we got married 11 years ago now. And, uh, you know, we waited five years or so before we started to think about kids. Um, but uh, at one point, we're like, yeah, let's start thinking. And so we tried uh, for about three years and uh, on and off. We just it wasn't happening. So we as well looked into both adoption and other options. Um, funny enough, while we were looking into uh, adoption, one of the websites that came up was Adopt a Bunny. And somehow oh we God. actually adopted a bunny in, as well during the process. So, oh <laughs> so for, for many years, we had a, a, a rabbit uh, that we named Cinnabon. But um, moving on from that, we, we continued to look into other uh, types of, of options. And eventually we came into uh, IVF. And so for our first son, we did IVF and were successful the first uh, attempt, which was great. And so we got uh, my first son. And then uh, after that, you know, we were, were just ecstatic to uh, be a parent. And uh, I, I was specifically kind of what Kim said. I was happy to have adopted, but then I was also really happy to have uh, a natural uh, son. Because in the back of my mind, I don't know what it was, but for some reason, I've always been fascinated with um, family resemblance and maybe yeah. that's part of the adoption. And maybe that's uh, because I, my parents are white and they don't look like them. <laughs> right. um, but for some reason, I've always thought that that was really interesting. And so the, the moment that I saw my, my son, it just there was a lot of emotion because of that. There's, I saw resemblances. I, I remember comparing photos of my baby photo to his baby photo. Uh, I don't know. It was it was it was a wild thing. And I don't know if maybe every parent does that or maybe it was you know, my adoption just coming out. But then we uh, had our son for a while. And then uh, we started thinking about our second uh, child because we actually had a second uh, frozen egg that, uh, or I guess zygote, I guess it was already created. And so we were like, okay, let's think about the second one. But while we were thinking about that, we actually got pregnant naturally. Oh my God. So our second son uh, was 
kind of a surprise. And uh, yeah, and so he came naturally without IVF. And uh, um, same thing. I compared photos when he came and even to the point where I thought he looked even more like me. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're getting even more like me as the further we go on. <laughs> and, and then at that point, we were we were happy with two boys. We were, we were done. Uh, lo and behold, two years later or a year later, uh, <laughs> surprise, we have one more coming. And so we, we, we went ahead and... Uh, we're excited to find out, and it turned out to be a girl. So uh, we, so we now have two boys and a girl, and and yes, I did the same thing compared to make sure she kind of looked like me too. But <laughs> um, so yes, we've been very fortunate with uh, the family of three, and uh, yeah, it's or five, family of five, I guess now the kids of three. But uh, as much as it, uh, you know, drives us wild at times, it is also like you said a blessing at, at all the other times. So mm-hmm. um, so it's been great. I love that. I also, I'm so glad you shared that like fascination with family resemblance. I, I definitely have felt that I like growing up in Kentucky, I I forget who the friend was at the time, but I just remember I was at a friend's house and her grandma came over and like, it was one of those things. She knocked on the door and they said like, Kara, would you get the door? And I opened the door and I knew like immediately that that was the grandma just based off genetics. And I remember that being one of the first times of, of me having like a memory of like, Oh, that is like so interesting. And I guess I never really thought about my fascination probably stemming from the lack of it that I had in my own childhood. So I just, I just wanted to call that out that that was such a strange thing for you to mention. But I was like, yeah, I totally do that. Uh, I even had a folder on my desktop of my friends and their lookalikes. (laughs) <laughs> like it was titled uh, doppelgangers. And so yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. I would see a friend who looked like a celebrity or looked like somebody else I'd photographed or something, I'd put them in a side-by-side comparison and I'd send it to him. I was like, Hey, I think I found your doppelganger. And so I, I don't know. It was a little small infatuation with that. But I do that all the time. <laughs> really? Do you feel as like an adoptee? I, I felt like I was like, I remember doing research when, you know, because we're all old, so there is no like easy internet. Right. <laughs> like, go right, to right. <laughs> so I would like go on Prodigy and let it, you know, dial up for an hour. And then I would like l- research like, do adoptees do they somehow like end up looking like their adoptive parents? And I was like, no, I definitely, I definitely have dad's nose. I was like, I I know I have it. And to this day, I still think I have my father's nose secretly. That's hilarious. I post pictures of my kids with their grandfather. And everyone's like, you know, and you forget too, as you're like speaking in you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I think Gabe has hazel eyes. And my husband is like, well, they probably come from your dad. And then we like, they're like, yeah. And then we like pause and then we're like, wait, like I, don't think, I don't know if that's possible, but I post pictures of Gabe and I post pictures of Benji and people comment, oh my gosh, you know, your youngest son looks exactly, has so many features from your father. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll go with it. Right. Wishful thinking. I'm just forcing that thought. it's so funny that you say that Kim about your adoptive parents and your children because I feel like much like you two when we found out we were having a biological child I was like oh my gosh she's gonna look like me and I was really excited about that part 
But then I kind of had this moment of like, oh, because I'm an only child, I realized that like my adoptive parents no longer have any legacy, like their traits don't get carried on. Mm. And that was a very interesting moment of pause that I had too, because I had been so kind of in my own adoptee fog and like me, me, me. And then my mother-in-law came after Clara was born with this big album of my husband's baby pictures. And in it were some pictures of her as a baby. And she looked almost exactly like, or I should say Clara looked almost exactly like my mother-in-law more so than my husband. And then that was the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like my mom's never going to have that moment. My dad's never going to have that moment. And it was so strange. Wow. I would have never thought about that. It's that family tree thing. I forget what, what episode we chat about that. Like when you're a kid, you do the family tree thing. I never thought about like, yeah, that's traumatizing. I'm traumatized from that. And it's that same, it's that same thing. I Do you feel though that, um, and I'm obviously this is different for every family, but my children won't look like my parents, but right. I see my parents in my older son, who's two, in the way he pronounces things. Like he says, cement truck, like our dad. And, <laughs> and he'll do small mannerisms like my parents. And I can still see them in him every day. And I agree with you both. I had that like, do they look like me? Do they look like my parents? Oh my God, this is where my parents end. Oh my God, my parents ended before me. But then I see the mannerisms and I'm like comforted by that fact. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'll be curious now that we live here closer to my parents. I'm wondering if I'm going to see uh, similarities as well, things that they pick up from them now that... uh, you know, we're spending more than once a year with them. So uh, hopefully good thing. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I'm, I'm definitely going to look out for that. That's a very good point. I mean, I guess I feel that way about like even you and I, Kim, and I don't know if, if Nathan and, and well, Shanae, you mentioned you were an only child. Nathan, do you have siblings? Yeah, one adopted sister. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess like I see, you know, I see dad and you, Kim, all the time and and some of mom. So there is that, like, if it happens for us, like, who's to say it can't happen a generation away? You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I'm also comforted, and it is weird, and I'm sure you've all felt this way with, like, when you look in the mirror and you hear people talking about, oh, you know, I look like my dad. Yeah. In stories or in movies or just an actual person, and then you look in the mirror and you're like, God damn it, I have my dad's nose, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> but you don't and realize like when you get older, you're not going to look like your parents. Your parents aren't going to start looking at you back at you in the mirror. And it's kind of sad. So when I do do my crazy things that like my parents do, honestly, I'm kind of like comforted by that too. Cause I'm like, that's super annoying, but I don't want to let it go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely blame my sister sometimes when she does things. I go, "That's your, that's our mom. You're doing that because mom <laughs> does that, things like that." Or you know, she's frugal like my dad and things like that. So yeah, we we, we definitely see the the personality traits that have developed. Yeah, it's true. That nurture side definitely mm-hmm. is strong. That's always one of the great debates, right? Is like which one? I don't know. That would be an interesting question to throw out to you all. Which one do you think is stronger? If you had to choose, nature. Mm-hmm. Or nurture. 
now that you've been on the receiving end of adoption and you all are on this journey of having your natural children now, do you think you could say one or the other? I don't think I can. I know that there are, I think that for me, it's both. I see both nature and nurture for different reasons and different things. I mean, I know, um, you know, physically I don't look like my parents, but there's a lot of things I do that, that I act like them mm-hmm. and vice versa. I, I have actually met my biological family in Korea and there were physical traits that were similar. And uh, my brother specifically, he, uh, when he came over to visit, um, my wife and his wife were, were laughing at us because we were walking down the street together and they kept going, look, they walk the same. And it was just for the way that we were walking, apparently, oh the, I, don't, I don't know, I, I joke about this on my show, but the gait or the way that our, yeah, our yeah. legs move <laughs> was similar because we're both like somewhat bow-legged and I, I don't know, it's just a very weird thing. And so that part of the, um, you know, physical traits, there there are some similarities, the uh, things that we like and stuff like that. So yeah, even though... We, we, he was raised over there. I was raised here, here by different parents. Um, we did have some similarities physically and personality wise. So, um, and you hear that too with twins that are separated at birth and stuff like that. I know there's there's stories about that as well where you've heard, you know, where they, they act similar or, or things like that. Or they wore the exact same dress, you know, the 36 year old twins. They wore the same dress at prom or something and they'd never met. I've always had the same fantasy. I guess, of the want to meet my biological family. And it's never an interaction with them so much as I want to observe them. I want to see them interact with each other and the world and just kind of see, are my mannerisms the same? Are Does my laugh sound as obnoxious as theirs? <laughs> you know, just little things like that. I like, I would love just to like, see where the similarities lie. But in terms of actual nature versus nurture, I really personally feel like nurture is more of it because it goes back to that thing too. You know, you see a child when they're born, no matter where they're from, they're innocent. They're happy if you give them love. And you know, you see a lot of broken families and you see children who saw pain in their family early on. And that happiness is that natural happiness is broken by trauma. Right. No matter what it's from or realizations of trauma. And I think when you have families that can teach you how to transform your feelings or grow from that, I feel like you become a better person. However, I do think that in terms of nature, that mental health and the way that you kind of mm. dissolve problems in your own mind I think that personally comes from nature and I have uh, ADHD and an undiagnosed OCPD. Um, And uh, my parents are similar to that, but not, they don't approach problems. They never have. They've never approached the way I think the same way. And neither is you or Kara, my sister. So I think I'd be so interested to learn and see if my family has the same like mental thought and processing that I do. Yeah, I would agree. I think that the nurture side sometimes is the most visible in the way that we navigate the world, at least in terms of, you know, our social interactions, our preferences, our decisions and choices. Um, But obviously, especially in the case of 
of cats and other transracial adoptees, that physical nature side is inescapable as well. Yeah, the the nature and nurture thing has always, for me, you know, outside of parenthood, obviously, it's always been like, quantity wise, I think nurture wins. There are more things I do that are like my upbringing than my nature. But there's more weight on the things that nature shines through, if that makes sense. So there might be like, this is such a lame example, but I'll just throw it out there. Like, my love for kimchi and Korean food. Like there's zero reason from a nurture perspective that I should have any sort of emotional tie to that. Like making kimchi is like a spiritual moment for me. You know, I feel like the ancestral feelings of like <laughs> washing the cabbage. Like I feel my ajima like spirit things are like going crazy. So it might be only a couple things like food or even just my natural um, kind of attraction to like the Korean aesthetic, like those things might be few and far between, but for whatever reason, I give them more weight. It's like, oh, that's like, oh, I got one. Like it's a more like advanced one, um, if that makes sense. Uh, But anyway, Shanae, I'd love to hear a little bit um, from you on your childbirth and parenthood story. And what I'd love, you know, maybe to dovetail in from all this, I think, or you all kind of mentioned it, just like, I'm curious about what are the discussions with your partner sound like? You know, is it always, an, is the adoption idea always initiated by the adoptee? Like just some of the dynamics of that conversation, but we'd love to hear kind of just your whole story as well, Shanae. Yeah, personally, I was always someone who was so married to my job that I never thought I would get married to another human. Right. Um, so I just assumed that I would be single forever. And when I was teaching, you know, until I met my husband, my plan was always to teach but be a foster parent because that was a large population of my students were in the foster care system. And it was just something that I felt really pulled towards, you know, in hindsight, whether it was from like a savior perspective, I don't necessarily think so. I think it was more that I just felt this kinship with their experiences and combined with, you know, my love for adolescence and teaching. And I just thought like it would be a good way to live my life and to have a family. But then lo and behold, I met somebody who was also equally married to their job and ended up marrying them. (laughs) that's usually how it works out (laughs) right Uh, and we started talking about family planning and I think early on I had said you know I want to adopt and before that conversation really got serious you know we kind of talked we want to have kids we at least know that okay we can continue dating but then once it started to come down to oh we're really family planning now it was more that I found he was open to adoption, but after having biological kids. Interesting. And at the time, I was starting to come out of the fog a little bit. So I started to get a little scared of adopting. Like I was realizing, oh, there's all this trauma I haven't dealt with. Oh, if I adopt, what is that going to do for my mental health? You know, and we also found out 
because of my mental health diagnosis of bipolar at the time that to adapt from Korea, which is what we were originally thinking, we likely wouldn't be eligible anyways um, Mm. because they have really strict policies around mental health and even age and health in general. So, you know, we started talking about having biological children and those conversations were interesting because even then, I think my view was, well, if we're faced with infertility, I would move to adoption next. Mm. And his standpoint was more like, well, let's move to IVF. Let's look at surrogacy. And then let's look at adoption. So it was just very interesting. And I asked one day, I said, why is it so important to you to have your own biological children? And he couldn't quite explain it, Mm -hmm. which I don't fault him for. I mean, that's not a question I feel like people get asked on a regular basis. You know, but to his point, he said, I... I don't know. He said from a cultural standpoint, because he is Jewish, um, he felt kind of a, a call or a pull to carry on that sort of cultural lineage, not so much the religious side. But it was just very interesting to me because I vividly remember in that conversation explaining to him that I didn't feel that pull, that like I didn't feel like I could even begin to wrap my head around such like an ache or a need or a desire to have a biological child. Because in my mind, I had that bond, that maternal bond or parental bond with my adoptive parents. And, you know, there was no blood relation. So it wasn't ever a factor for me in terms of like a parent-child relationship. But then we ended up, you know, having Clara. And who knows when it comes time, if we decide to have another one, what route we would go. But it's also interesting because now having gone through the childbirth classes, heard about skin to skin and, you know, the baby hears your voice and all these things, you know, I don't think I would want to adopt because I think it's too close to home. And I sort of really considered surrogacy. But now even with that, I don't know. I would need to see the science or the research because I'm like, wait a minute, that baby is still, you know, in the womb of somebody else with somebody else's voice, somebody else's palate, somebody else's, you know, whatever it is that everyone talks about for babies in your row and that connection. And I don't know, I, it's fascinating, but also scary to me. I can only imagine having a surrogate and uh, calling them up was like, are you guys eating some kimchi over there? You guys want me to send you, <laughs> you want me to send you, you know, <laughs> you know, all this food that you want them to be grown up with, I guess, in a way, yeah. and try to, like, push it on them. I don't know. I Back to your original, uh, Kara, when you said the kimchi thing that made you right. think about that. I don't know if everybody likes kimchi who's adopted, but I, I'm very <laughs> curious. if that, that sh- There should be a study on that. So. <laughs> Can I be honest, though, about w- with what you're saying with the, um, like, the pregnancy classes and everything that you take in uh, – you know, breastfeeding is like a big one and it's a big topic care. If you didn't know, everyone pressures you, even like homeless people you walk by to breastfeed. And everybody has an opinion. (laughs) It's like one of the first Uh, questions the nurses will ask you too, right? Definitely. Oh, it's like literally as soon as the baby comes out, they're like, do you want to try? And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) 
Oh my yeah, god, like, there's so much pressure. I mean, it's it is weird once you have a child, regardless of whether you're physically having the child or you're getting the child or you're adopting the child in the moment you hold them in your arms, like Kara, and they are similar in the love. The moment you picked up your dog, you. <laughs> <laughs> all you think, consider as soon as you get them in your hands when you love them is that yeah. you want them to be healthy. So yes. you, whatever someone's telling you in your ear, you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's also, you're like, no, I don't want to, but yeah, I want them to live. So I'll do whatever. But those classes, I remember sitting in a breastfeeding class specifically, and they were saying, you know, at, they went around the room and everyone was raising their hands. There was like 20 people in the room. And they're like, why are you here? And everyone was like, I'm a sixth generation breastfeeding family. And it's so healthy. Oh my and God. another woman over here is like, oh, it's so important for the bond. And another one's like, oh, like I, you know, you know, breastfeeding kids come healthier and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like the last person. I'm like, I wasn't breastfed, but I feel like I cannot find. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know there's a little goat's milk involved at one point, right. a whole lot of formula. And I feel like I'm not <laughs> damaged by that specifically. Um, but with the whole, like, I do think that I feel bonded to my biological kids. Um, but I never wanted to be pregnant. Yeah. I and honestly, I just kind of wanted to have biological kids with them without the pregnancy, so they like just like magically appear. But I, I always think about like what you're saying, like, am I like if we adopt on the if we wanted to have another a third, and we adopt, would I feel less bonded to the his child, or would I feel less bonded because I didn't get to breastfeed, or? cure them in my stomach or my own body and before I had kids I thought about that if I had a mixed family and I was like oh I would never be able to love them the same way I feel like I would always be self-conscious and worried about it and like after having kids I'm like oh fuck no I would love them just as much because I I guess I feel so loved by my parents like even the topic of when it's come up of finding my birth parents, I've been like, my personal story is that I feel satisfied by the love that I have from my parents. But I know, and, and this can be a later discussion, but I know I've spoken to care about it. My trauma and realization of being adopted happened when I was very young, where I think it hits most people in adulthood. So I had gone through hell in grade school about it. And I'm like, much further on the next realm, so to speak. <laughs> of it but um i agree with you that there is that like weird fear like am i going to love or feel the same way about children that aren't biological now that you've had your own that's a scary question to even ask yourself you know like if i if i were i'm like an avoidant type you know like if if i were in that situation i'd be like i don't even want to put myself in that situation because the horror i would feel if there was any difference for better or worse I would just spin it to my own story and it just would be like the downfall, you know, it would just be like, well, I felt differently about this one. So that must mean that my parents felt differently about me. Oh, and like, that's just like not a can of worms that I'm trying to open like this <laughs> lifetime. I'm good on that. Yeah. I, I try not to judge my kids too much because one is IVF and the other two are natural. 
And so yeah. a little yeah. a little bit yeah. of difference, but at the same time not, you know, that much, although I do make jokes and references to like Gattaca <laughs> at times. It's like he's our Gattaca baby. Oh my like, god. He's Stop. <laughs> but, um but yeah, and I, I the same way. I when before we discussed having a, an adoption versus a natural, you know, when we went through IVF, we were like, I think we were both in the mindset that we were going to love the babies no matter if they were natural or adopted just because the same reason we have such a both of us have a good relationship with our, our parents and um yeah it, it's one of those things that I, I can't see it any other way especially if we both want to be parents um it, you know we're going to just uh, just uh, put whatever love we can and uh, understanding and effort toward those kids no matter you know where they came from um and I know I can't really talk too much about the breastfeeding uh, segment, uh, especially to, to, <laughs> on a panel here of three women. Um, however, the skin to skin thing was interesting because my wife had the C-section. So she was in recovery and they brought the baby in and uh, they were like skin to skin. So ripped off my shirt and skin to skin with the baby. So and at one point the baby did uh, he did start kind of like, you know, like this. And I'm like, OK, where's my wife? Where's my wife? And, and she needs to come in here real quick because nothing's going to happen. So, yeah. I would be curious to talk to families that are comprised of adopted children and biological children in the order, you know, if they adopted right. first and then had biological children or vice versa. And I think even, you know, for me personally, you know, Claire is our first. She might be our only but I'm currently so much even in that space of like, I love her so much. I can't possibly imagine having any more space like in my heart for any other child. You know, I'm already like carrying around saying like, your mom's favorite baby. You'll always be my favorite. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, shit. What if you have a sibling? Like, <laughs> Right, right, right. You know? Then you tell them all that they're your favorite. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you just hope they don't like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what you're referencing about Clara, like being your one and only. And I don't, Nathan, I don't know if you felt this way when you had your, after you were going to have your second. I cried every night right before this the second was born and I was like this is my last week and I was so sorry and I was like oh my god and then the second one was born and I was like oh I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine and I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the, the uh, decisions of how how to spread your love in a way between the kids multiple kids and worrying a little bit about especially the more kids you have, are you going to have less love or have yeah. atten less attention or, or, or one-on-one -on -one time? And uh, yeah, it definitely is a, a parenting, I think, obstacle that everyone goes through as they have multiple kids. And, you know, and then I am in the opposite realm. If you only have one kid, it's like, you probably were like, am I giving this kid too much love? Am I spoiling the kid too much? Cause I, they're the only child. And I'm sure there's, there's uh, things on both sides of the spectrum. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask questions. Go for it, girl. It's an open actually, discussion. For Shanae, actually, I mean, I guess everyone, have you thought about that moment where your child, like around like seven or eight or whatever age they are, is going to look at you? And I don't know if this has happened to you yet, Nathan, and say, you know, either why don't you look like grandma and grandpa or, you know, they hear something about adoption and they kind of start asking you about it. Like, do you, I guess, one, do you 
feel emotionally and mentally prepared for what that might look like? And two, are you scared of the thought of it at all? I have thought about it. You know, my parents' strategy with me in terms of telling me I was adopted was to talk about it before I even understood language Mm. (laughs) and could comprehend. You know, my mom was, you know, telling me stories about how, like, you came from Korea, you came on this plane, and, you know, your birth mom. And I think now, thank goodness for the increase in representation and diversity in children's literature, right? Um, You know, we have books about like Korean celebrations or Korean folk tales. And, you know, even sometimes now when I read to Clara, I'll say, you know, like, you know, you're part, you're half Korean and, you know, mom has, mom was born there. And I'll talk a little bit about it to kind of normalize and you know but she also understands she has grandma joe and grandpa jeff and i'm sure those conversations will get more sophisticated as she gets older but i'm not so much scared of talking to her about it within our family i'm more afraid for those moments when someone else says something you know if she goes to school and does the family tree project or you know where i'm from Or, you know, if another family member says something that's, like, insensitive and she has to come to me and say, like, Mommy, what did they mean? Or why did they say this? And those are the moments that I have no idea what I will say. Um, I'll probably be really pissed (laughs) um, and really sad. But, you know, I think that's where the fear comes in. Family Tree Project is what killed me in first grade and destroyed my (laughs) Let's abolish it, you all. Yes. I was like, oh my God, my family doesn't look like your family. Which yeah. parents do you want me to draw? I don't. <laughs> it's traumatizing. Yeah, we've uh, I mean, we've already told my kids everything about uh, adoption that we can both of them, and they're you know five and three, uh, as much as we can about adoption and about where I came from. And um, my wife is half Chinese, half Japanese. So we also explain um, that they are a mix of all three. They're the trifecta. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so we uh, we point on the map and we go, here's where our family's heritage come from. And so and then we go and here's Nana and Papa. They uh, they came from um, these areas of the Midwest. And, uh, you know, and we explain, I mean, we haven't gone to the the birds and the bees conversations yet, but once they start realizing, you know, oh well, they do know that babies come, you know, are in the you know mommy's belly and things like that. So they do understand that aspect of it. And as they ask more questions, we'll further uh, give them more detail. But uh, yeah, we're not too worried. Similar to what Shanae said, yeah, I, I'm curious on how the families at the school will ask questions and the ki- other kids will ask questions. I'm sure. Um, we have had moments where we've gone to pick up with my parents and they've all been there, but uh, no one's ever asked anything as far as we know. Um, and I am appreciative of the the larger representation that has happened, more narratives out there, more acceptance of adoption, more news stories even about adoption. So not just the kids, but the parents. And, um, you know, they will know these things as well because I, I feel, I don't know, as time goes on, maybe I am getting, you know, asked less awkward questions 
right um about that and i think maybe that's a, a good sign that uh that people are learning and, and being more aware so i'm taking notes because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right before i had asked that question i had a moment of panic in my eye in my heart and i was like i've never thought about this before <laughs> like, yeah. yeah i'm gonna listen to both of these people and just <laughs> steal their ideas I mean, that's how I feel listening to you all as a non-parent. It's like, regardless if that's in my journey or not, what I'm hearing from all this is like the adoption trauma of explaining and there always being something that you have to like caveat or asterisk never ends. Like, mm -hmm. I guess in my head as a non-parent, I'm like, oh, once I have my own family and I'm making my own rules, regardless if it's, you know, kids, bio kids, adopted, whatever, that shit goes away. And now I'm being reminded like, no, it in every phase in life, there is some way or somehow it will get brought up and you have to go into the explanation. So I feel more like, damn, it just doesn't really end, does it? Mm -hmm. I find Especially myself these days explaining it quicker to people. Yeah. Just because I want to get it out of the way. Like, boom, here you go. I'm adopted. You know, <laughs> that's why my last name's No Walk. It's German. You know, right. try to get it out real quick and then move on from there just so that there isn't any awkward. It's like, you know, uh, address the, the elephant in the room real quick. But Yeah, I have never even thought about from a male perspective of you all probably get the brunt of that. Because especially now being 30, when people hear my name, they just assume I'm married. So I never thought that like men definitely get male adoptees, I should say, probably get hammered more with the question of the last name thing. Mm -hmm. um, more than the women do because there's like an out, I guess, for us that people make up yeah. in their head. Especially as a, uh, since I own my own business, I, I get that frequent question from clients and they ask, you know, where the last name came from and, <laughs> and things like that. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, the, the, the only, am I guess I say amusing, but not really amusing. I guess the sad ones are when you meet somebody and they try to pronounce your last name with an Asian accent. Oh, so that's always, oh, that's always an interesting one. <laughs> I've got right. that one. Yeah. Like, no waka? No waka? And it's like, what? Where's <laughs> it? So, yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten that. I get the weirdest ones because we have a kind of a weird last name. My married name's Kushiri. And um, hmm. my, or obviously our name is Delost. And everyone's like, your married name's so interesting. And I was like, what's your name? <laughs> like, right. They're like, well, you know, it's just so European. And I'm like, yeah, my family's European. <laughs> well, my wife lost her last name of Asian origin. So that was one of uh, our dilemmas, too, when, when yeah. uh, she did take my name. Because, yeah, she took, which is kind of funny to your point, she took my European last name, but yet her husband is Asian. <laughs> so we really you know, that, lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome to really my it world <laughs> i i you know kind of back on the topic of of you know am i a jerk for not wanting to adopt or and maybe that's not what it is want or not like i'd love just to throw like almost some open word associations to you guys and and see what comes to mind like, what about the word guilt or obligation? Do those words resonate with you all as adoptees with biological children? Hmm. 
Or pressure, maybe, too. I'll throw that one in there. I feel like there was a glimpse of what that outside perspective would be on what I was doing while I was, whilst I was thinking of all the options prior to having kids for myself. I thought, you know, should I adopt? And then immediately it tailspins into, am I only adopting because I'm adopting or I'm adopted? Would other people think I'm a hero and paint me in this hero light when really I just want to be a mom? Would they um, say, oh, she's only doing that because she's adopted. She would never want her own biological kids. And then, I mean, honestly, for myself, my mind goes back to, I don't really give a fuck about them. I just need (laughs) to figure out how I'm going to get a kid if I want a kid. Um, But for like a very tiny second for myself, there was, you know, fleeting thoughts of that intermixed with everything else and feelings. And also to the point when I read the title of the podcast, I was like, "Eh, no, I don't feel like a jerk. And you're kind of a jerk for asking. (laughs) 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 I don't mind. What's your problem? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I, I don't think at the end of the day, especially after having children that I felt any guilt at all. Yeah, I wouldn't I? I don't have any guilt of any sort of, as far as regards to adopting or not adopting or having kids um, the natural way. It was, I think, obligation for sure. I, I feel obligated to, you know, love the kids and raise them as best possible, no matter if they were adopted or if they were biological. And so that is, uh, you know, because I was treated with that same, um, you know, love and and respect from my parents, and they. They, I think, you know, did a great job of both my sister and I. And uh, so I want to be as, you know, much of a, a parent as they were to me. And so that, that is my obligation. Um, and then after meeting my biological family and kind of seeing what they, knowing the narrative of that, I want to do my best job to continue, you know, what they have given to me as well. And, um you know, the connection that I've had with them and the communication. And so I send them photos of my kids as well. So, um, you know, they get to see some photos of my, my kids, which is, you know, their international, you know, niece and nephews. And so I want to at least keep that connection. So I feel obligated to include them now that I am, um, you know, in connection. So. Yeah. I don't feel guilty either for not adopting. I almost think for where I am right now in terms of I don't know, being in, out, half enmeshed in the fog. I almost wonder if I would feel guilty if I did adopt. Um, just mm-hmm. with kind of, you know, my newfound perspective with the adoption industry and all of that, just personally. But I do, in terms of obligation, and Kara, you and I have talked about this, feel obligated to really hit the ground running with learning about Korean culture and making sure that that's present in our house for Clara, if she chooses, you know, to engage in that side of her heritage. And I also think in some ways, I don't know if it's obligation, maybe definitely pressure, but when she was first born and even still now, I find that I maybe get a little more anxious than I would have had I not been adopted. If she like when she was really little, like when she was crying and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, 
we can't let her cry or like sleep training, right? Even if you let them cry for like two minutes was so hard because in my mind, I was like, she's feeling abandoned. She's feeling left. She's feeling all of these things that I thought or that I had felt. And I thought, you know, oh my gosh, we need to do something because we're going to traumatize her for forever. And of course that's not true. And that's better now, thanks to therapy. But... (laughs) And maybe some wine um, right. and a good pair of earphones, but yeah. Um, but yeah, just that that pressure to make sure that they feel loved and safe, and you know, I think especially until she hit six months, which was how old I was when I was adopted. Like I felt, I like I threw myself into making up for any shortcoming or any loss that I had in my first six months, like for her first six months, you know, like everything was documented. She is going to know down to the second what was going on, you know, for those first six months, it's not going to be this void. Um, So I think that's been like an interesting obligation slash pressure that I, you know, undoubtedly have put on myself, but it's definitely there. I agree. I feel like the 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 stages, or pretty much any stage, but the younger stages when they're crying just a little too long, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna think he's not loved. Oh god, I have to go get him. And, right. I, like, and I almost like would fall into him completely, both of them, because I feel like I, I guess I had different feelings on both of them. The one the first one I I felt that and I think the drive was because of the adoption and I never want to make this kid feel like he's abandoned or he's without and I would think about when he turned three months from myself what looking at both of them and I was like oh my god how could I would never be able to give up this baby um and with my second child, it was, oh, my God, I don't want to make him feel like I love the other one more than him. Right. Um, but it, I, I feel like that gave me this idea that the guilt transforms. And maybe the original drive was the worry that they would feel abandoned. But then the second drive became, I don't want them to feel abandoned for someone else. And I think within that, I realized I'm acting on my feelings and not necessarily their feelings. Mm. And 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 that's I'm sure something that you go through with several phases of being a parent as I get older. But it's definitely one of those things where you do question, like, is this coming from? like a very deep down push down feeling of abandonment or a uh, lack of self-worth almost. Wolf. Heavy. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it, it's almost refreshing to hear you guys talk about it. Cause with me being in this, sp- I have pressure on me about kids in general, you know, it's like, Oh, there's a 33 year old woman with no kids. We must convert her. You know, like I- I'm already a target for other reasons. And, you know, I thought about, I had these thoughts like very young, probably around when any, you know, any girl starts to dream about, will I be married and will I do that? It's like, 
that was almost the first thing that came up in my mind as a young kid was like, would I adopt? And I think when I was in the fog, I had a moment of like, if I have kids, I'm only going to adopt because I'm going to, you know, give some kid the same opportunity that was afforded to me. And then like Sinead, kind of to what you were talking as, a, as I came out of the fog and I started to learn about the adoption industry and how it's a money-making machine. And, you know, we don't like to say this world, this word, but it's, you know, adjacent, if not a relative of child trafficking. And it just, it, once all these like heavy things started to come out, I started thinking, do I want to buy into that system and continue to dump money into it? And also one of the worst things I ever did to myself was on my last trip back to Korea, my adoption agency, they asked me if I wanted to like walk the floor. And for whatever reason, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I do not recommend that. Ooh, yeah. I highly do not recommend that. But that moment messed me up forever. I remember walking through those halls and staring at the babies in like these cases, like the pet shop in the mall and I felt a certain way and I started to have that debate in my head of like what's the lesser of the evils like even if I decided not to buy into the system does that change those little boys I saw in that orphanage and what's happening to them like no so it's like I I go through the the whirlwind of having to scenario plan because it's not a reality in my current moment so it's it's just refreshing to hear though that, you know, once you get there, however you get there, and it sounds like everybody arrives just like anything in life differently than you planned, right? It's it never goes the way you plan it to, no matter what it is. It's just refreshing to hear that maybe some of that pressure goes off because I think right now as a childless person and also just a 33-year-old woman with no children, I do feel that pressure of like, and I do think people assume. I think people I've actually had people tell me, well, I would just I just assumed that you would adopt. Like, oh, th thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> it's like, I don't go up and say that to you. You know, I don't go, oh, well, you're, you know, you're a biological, so you're going to do the same thing. You know, it's, it's just like a strange, it's a strange thing. Well, I think that we are getting um, right at the point of wrapping up the discussion. We, you know, we try to end each episode with two little tidbits. One would be, you know, kind of any last words that you might have to our viewers. So maybe any final thoughts to any Korean adoptees out there who are maybe considering parenthood or are already on the journey. Is there any, you know, last words of wisdom or advice or any questions maybe that you throw out to people? And then after hearing that, would love just to hear kind of a fun little like What's on your, your playlist right now? What are you up to? What are you reading? What are you consuming? Um, just to give a way to connect with our viewers before we sign off. But I'll kind of open it up with, you know, giving the parents some space to, to say any last couple of things here. I would say one bit of advice I would give is that if you are considering having children, um, having biological children is not a surefire thing either. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, going into the realm of how and in what way am I going to have a child, leave your research every option and then just accept whatever happens. Right. Because mm -hmm. you can't, people try to plan things, but you really can't plan 
every aspect of that kind of circumstance. It's, it's, it's very natural in terms of what will end up happening for you will end up happening. And then I think too is in that journey, it is easy to get caught up in what you think other people or think or other people's opinions. And at the end of the day, it's like anything else. It's know that everybody's going to judge you and then everyone's not going to judge you. And some people are going to support you and some people aren't going to support you. But at the end of the day, it's all just noise. And the only thoughts that count are you and whoever's involved in directly in what you're doing and who will change with you in that experience because it's your life and it's your your feelings and 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 your which is a heavy word to say but a legacy um and it's not anyone's opinion or anyone's thought like it just they don't matter in that moment I second everything you said. <laughs> no, that was really good. But um, yeah, as far as going into adoption or natural children or uh, fostering or whatever um, parent direction you'd like to go in, uh, do research, do education. Uh, the one thing that I have noticed is that because there have been so many reports of, of trauma and all the stuff that has come out in the world about adoption or or, um, or race relations or, or transnational relations, just the the there's a lot out there. And the best way I think is for education to to do as much research about all the sides um, before making any decision on on something because you may find that that you'll hear some stories that change your mind uh, one way or another, uh, or it'll give you better insight on how to tackle. Um, situations as a parent as you get into it because in the end there's so much about being a parent that you will still not be prepared for and even with as much education as you can get you will still run into things that are not something like all three of my kids have been different and I, I felt after the first one I was like yeah I'm good I'm, I'm ready for number two but then number two would do things differently than than number one number three it's just they they all do different things and those are things you can't prepared for so being flexible is is also a good one um but uh but in the end uh do your best and and if you need help ask for it so don't think you're alone don't think you're the only one running into these situations and uh um even thoughts about adoption or being a parent there you know there's a lot of adoptees out there who have probably gone through the same dilemma of adopting or natural born so um that's the great thing about uh today's resources is that there's a lot more of them. So use them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I will second and third everything that both of you said. <laughs> um, I don't think I could say it any better, but definitely to dovetail off of Nathan's point that you're not alone. I don't know where I would be if I had not found a group of other local Korean adoptee moms um, and virtually a group of not only CADs, but other transracial adoptee parents. There are mom support groups for everything. There's like the mom group for when your kid doesn't sleep. There's the mom group for if you're having trouble breastfeeding. There's the one for, you know, starting solids. And 
they all serve their own purpose, right? Sometimes maybe you hang out in one more often. Sometimes you might just need to access one to ask that one super imperative question that one time. Um, but I think finding some community, especially of adoptee parents, whether they're adoptive adoptee parents or biological adoptee parents, but there is just sort of this unspoken understanding, I think, when you put adoptees in a room. And the same thing is true for adoptee parents. Like there's just some something that everybody gets. You don't need to over explain. You don't need to feel like you're the Debbie Downer or, you know, that you're going to be looked at like you're crazy. (laughs) Um, But I think finding people with that common experience of not only the parenting, but the adoptee piece too is hugely important. I love that. And any parting words for those without children who are thinking, uh, I'm looking for advice. So uh, that would be my words of advice out to anyone out there that's in my on my perspective of the issue as well. Um, Nathan, Kim, thank you guys so much for joining Shanae and I today for such a great conversation. As we um, close out, yeah, let's hear it. Kim, what are you eating, reading, watching? Other than a lot of blippy, what's what are you into right now um, that maybe some of our users can get into? Um, well, for kids, Ben is extremely into Tayo, which ironically is a Korean. Yeah, um, that's right. So, and we listen have been listening to the soundtrack in the car over. <laughs> um, and what I'm reading, it's actually interesting topic with adoption, Teen Vogue. Um, actually just came out with an article about a week ago. Um, and the title of it was K-Drama Adoption Storylines Are Making Positive Strides, um, But There's More Work to Do. Right. And it's a, it's a really good, about a three-page article um, that discusses a, a little bit of light on uh, Korean adoption and the complicated history behind that specifically within South Korea. Um, But it really touches base on how everyone is happy that K-dramas are now showcasing that where it's always been a very hush hush topic in Korea Mm. where we know it's happening, but we're not going to talk about it. Right. Um, But what's interesting about it is the people that they interviewed through the article made really good points in saying, we're so happy that, it's being featured and even things like modern family and or, or shows in the U S or other countries, but it's the exact same storyline every time it's, right. we're saved. We always go to a white family. We <laughs> uh, always had a worse life in Korea. We, you yeah. know, and it's, it is always the same line. And that's the problem is that it's not touching base on what is really going on, What, how it affects people, what are the things that people aren't talking about, specifically in Korea? What about, you know, the relationship between the parents that uh, gave their kids up for adoption? So it's a really interesting article, and it, it also touches on a lot of K-dramas that I then, you know, immediately try to find and <laughs> watch parts of so that I could kind of get a viewpoint into that. And it really wasn't something that I ever thought of either in terms of how modern culture in Korea views adoption. 
Wow. I'll have to go for that for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I'm very interested in that. Nathan, what about you? What are you eating, reading, watching? Um, well, I definitely am eating more Korean food over this last Yay. year than I ever have before. Um, <laughs> even though now being in Denver versus Los Angeles, there's less of it. Yeah. Um, however, I'm, I'm still fairly close to an H Mart, so uh, <laughs> I need to just step up my cooking game. So yeah. uh, I have been doing a few things. Kimchi making will be on that list soon. So uh, I would love to try that. I've already been um, using uh, gochujara for other things, but uh, I, I am trying to get more into the food aspect realm of, of uh, the culture. As uh, and then of course trying to get my kids to at least try it once. Right. So my my youngest tried uh, kimchi. It was a the non spicy kimchi, um, which was interesting enough. It was labeled as North Korean kimchi. Um, interesting. I had never heard of. Yeah, because it's the non spicy white cabbage in a North Korean style. I had never heard that before. So and they oh. had it at King Supers. So Shanae, if you need to go find some, uh, <laughs> but uh, the yeah the that's pretty much the the discovery area that i'm going into and of course learning more about uh uh just uh, advocacy for for adoptees uh you know the citizenship act and all kinds of things like that so i'm trying to learn more about that um and then the challenges of parenting is is always a constant thing i mean we're coming up on christmas i yeah um, we're, we're getting into that point right now where I, I actually have to we haven't done it but we have to figure out how to explain christmas to my uh my kids um, so, you know, doing little things like that. Uh, there's a couple, uh, adoptees who talk about, uh, you know, decentralizing Christmas and, uh, not canceling it, but decentralizing it and trying to make it less of a thing. So, uh, you know, not all about presents, not all about, uh, certain aspects. And so I, I think that's, uh, something that I've been reading into, uh, that Liz Kleinrock uh, has a, a, uh, post about that. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much for spending some time and energy and just sharing very openly about a very vulnerable topic that um, I think is something that the general public wouldn't think that adoptees have to think about differently. Um, but I think that's a part of our collective healing journey, right, is sharing our stories and, and spreading the awareness that this this identity has complications and it does thread through everything that we do and especially with parenthood. So thank you guys for sharing so openly about that. Uh, make sure you guys tune in and continue to follow us on Instagram at soul conversations. And you can also check us out at the website, soulconversationspodcast.com. And until next time, how about we have a big cheers to the parents on the phone for having an hour and a half of no interruptions until next time. Cheers. John. Cheers. Come back. <laughs>